All right, Kingdom City, good to see you. Yeah, whoa, what a great day. The long-anticipated moment has finally come, and we get to celebrate that. Hey, I want to welcome all of you again, and those of you who are special guests, maybe you came as uh, friends of family uh, or friends here in the city, we're so glad that you're here. Well, you know, seven months ago, we started this pathway towards this day where we're celebrating our new name, Kingdom City, and, uh, you know, in some ways, really, nothing's changed, but in some ways, everything's changed, right? So we still have the same view of God that we did last Sunday, the same view of the Bible, uh, the same approach to worship, the same passion to reach another generation. So none of that's changed. We're still part of the same connection and tribe of, of people here in the Alliance family. All of that's the same. And yet there is something that has shifted, and that is our destiny is calling us. Uh, our, our identity in the kingdom as people who are here in Airdrie for a specific purpose. And we sense that. God has been leading us in this direction for a while, and uh, it's just so cool to see it all come together. I remember when our elders board voted on the name, and uh, this was after, you know, months of prayer and you guys giving input, and as Phil Harm said on the video, you know, those top three words kept coming up, the kingdom, church, and city. And when we affirmed that, we knew we were hearing from heaven. That came out of the body here. We were hearing from God on that name, and so let, let that name encourage you. Uh, just say it to your friends that, you know what, God landed it on us. He made it very, very clear and very evident. This is what he was calling us. And I just sense that God uh, has got a great future for us. And so I also want to honor here for a moment all the people who have, you know, made it possible in years past to get to this point. I want to honor people from previous decades and previous times who, just like you, were worshiping here. They were praying. They were serving. They were giving. They were doing all that. We're standing on their shoulders. We would not be here without them. Amen? We would not be here without them. So I want to honor them. And I also want to honor our team that has led us in this process. So Phil Harms, our team leader, we want to honor him. Phil, are you in the room here? He's probably serving already outside somewhere. So Phil Harms, Jesse Lowen, Mary Olenek, and Nick Kadoon. Give them a big round of applause. Yeah. Woo. Okay. It's message time, so I want you to get in your Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. Uh, I've got a message I want to share today from the Scriptures that I believe and sense that God actually has set apart for us for this day. And uh, it's from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was sitting and teaching and talking with his followers. All of his true disciples were there. And uh, he had special words for them, and I find them monumental. So you'll see the words on the screen. I'm going to read them for you. And this is what it sounds like from Jesus. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to just mention those first groupings of words at the very start of that and say them again to you, say them over you. You are the light of the world. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden. Those are rock-solid words from Jesus. 
They're words that help build the church. They're words that help build up the people of God in any generation. They're radical words. And it's like he's given a call to his people to stretch for more, to anticipate something greater, a greater level of impact in this world and a higher standard of connecting to heaven's purposes here on earth. They're monumental words. And I think Jesus is describing what it looks like when his people actually start releasing the kingdom of heaven on earth. When they do that, he says, you are the light of the world. You can't be hidden. You're on display. There's light coming out of your lives. And light is one of those, you know, there, there's a lot of great words in the Bible, but light is one of those really special words in the scriptures. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1, we read God said, let there be light. He spoke and creative energy and, and, and power went out of his mouth and he created the universe by speaking it into existence. And then all the way to Revelation chapter 2, the last chapter of the Bible, it says of those in heaven, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. From Genesis to Revelation and all the way in between, God has been calling his people to understand and see the importance of light, to find their identity in that light. So let's just say the obvious here. Light is good. It's the realm where God dwells. You want to be living in the light, right? Darkness, not good. Darkness is the realm of brokenness and pain and hopelessness and sin and worry and evil and tragedy. And all of that is in the realm of darkness. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You're not in darkness. You're my emissaries of light to the people that you live with. And it's like Jesus is actually doing kind of like a, I don't know, a branding moment. Uh, with his followers, with words that define their identity and words that call them to their destiny. So let me just apply it to you and to me. He's talking to us. If you're a follower of his, he says to you, you are the light of the world. You're a part of a city that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine. So friends, this is a time for us to actually shine. This is one of those moments this is one of those days in the life of a church when we all hear the same thing at the same time. And we say, Lord, you're speaking to us, uh, you're, you're whispering to us, you're shouting to us, and we know that you're calling us to display your light. So I want us to kind of explore this for a moment and ask ourselves, what does this look like when we're actually being the emissaries of light in this world? Here's a few things I want to share with you. First of all, this. It's about being called to a stronger faith. A stronger faith. To take God seriously when he says something like this and go, okay, so if you're calling me a light bearer, then I better arrange my life around that truth and that revelation and that reality. You can't be partially in the light, right? Can't be halfway in the light. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, um, the writer of that epistle puts it this way, this is the message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You're either in the light or you're in the darkness. And there is a light that is available to people who are wanting to get out of darkness. It's the light of God's presence and his love and his truth 
and his grace. And there's this kind of expectation that once we're in the light, we will stand out. That it's actually the will of God for us to be bright and to have a strong sense of purpose about who we are and where we're going. I think that's why Jesus used the verbal imagery of a city set on a hill. You know, back in those days, there was no street lights, right? And so if you were traveling from one city to another city, let's say it was, you know, a couple hundred miles distance or so, uh, you would travel by caravan. And that would not be Chrysler, that would be camel version of caravan, all right? You, you travel by caravan, and in between cities was the most dangerous place because you know, if something went wrong with the people in your caravan, maybe someone was sick or maybe, a, maybe your wife was having a baby or about to have a baby, you would look out there on the horizon and ask yourself, where's the city? Can we make it to the city? And if a city was doing its job, it would have its lights on, on the gates and on the walls. And you could see cities from probably 10 miles or so out, maybe even 15 if they were well lit, and you would say to yourself, we have hope we can make it to the city in the middle of the night. I think Jesus may have been referring to Jerusalem in those words, or some people say he was actually talking about a, a city called Hippos, um, and that was on the other side of the Sea of Galilee in the 10 cities region that was there. Anyways, everybody got it. They knew that he was painting an unthinkable picture here that it would not be right for a city to shut its lights off in the dark time, that it's the, it's the role of a city to be bright. And so I just ask you to hear that with me, that, you know, there, there's, there's an onus upon us who live in this city to shine brightly, to actually illuminate this city with the presence of God that we carry upon our lives. You might ask the question, is it really dark out there? Is there darkness in this city, this region? Is there darkness in Calgary where some of you live as well and, and drive here? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of darkness. There's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of unbelief. There's a lot of tragedy and there's a lot of terror in people's lives by living in darkness. You ever felt darkness? I have and you know, when I was 20 years of age or so, I, I had a group of buddies, and we all went caving one day. They said, hey, Sandy, do you want to go caving? And I said, of course, not knowing what I would get into. I was thinking of those Alberta caves, you know, the ones that you find going out west. They're big. They've got huge kind of ceilings, and there's water trickling. And you can kind of hang out there and have a picnic. That's what I was picturing of caving, but I found out that was not what they had in mind. This is on Vancouver Island, and we were going caving in an old miner's shaft, so we got there, and there's about 10 of us or 12 of us, and uh, I was probably in the middle of the pack or so, and uh, you went down into this hole in the ground, seriously, you jumped into a hole, you squatted down, and then you laid out your body, and you crawled on your stomach, and the ceiling was about three feet high, and the width was about two and a half feet high. So you just had to keep pulling yourself along here. It felt pretty fun at the beginning, and then after about five minutes or so, when we get about 100 feet into this tunnel, and there's about another 300 feet to go, I got scared. It was so dark. I brought my hand up to my face like, I can't see my hand. And in that moment, I had like this claustrophobic reaction. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I just want to stand up. I just want to stand up. I can't stand up. And so I yelled at the people behind me, please back up. <laughs> this is not cool when you're 20 years old to do stuff like this. 
And they're like, are you serious? I said, I'm serious. And like, he's serious. They all backed up, which is harder than going forward. Took 25 minutes, and I got out, and I said, I will never do that again, ever. No, no caving, please. Whoa. But it was the darkness that was so uh, terrifying. I think there's people who are feeling terrified in our city right now. I think there's people who are so, so stricken with fear. They're going, I don't know where my life is going. You know, I thought that relationship with that, that guy or that girl would change things, but it hasn't. Or, or that new job that I got, that would answer all the longings of my heart. Or moving over here would be different. Or, or getting this would, would help me. But you're finding out that, no, you're still feeling lost. You're still feeling like you're in the dark. Jesus has a solution for you. He wants to bring you out of darkness. Bring you out of darkness into light. It happened to me when I was a young man, and in a minute, I went from darkness to light. You can, too. I'll share more with you about that later. By the way, did you know this, that Airdrie, this city that you're in right now, is a very unique city in our nation. It is, according to Google, and we trust Google, don't we? <laughs> I do. Hasn't failed me too badly yet, but... Um, you know, Google says um, that it's the highest elevated city of 10,000 or more in Canada. All right, there's other higher communities, Kimberley, BC, and other places, but they're not 10,000 and up. So from a city status, which is usually 10,000 and up, we are the highest elevated city in the nation. You're on high ground right here. Did you know that? These are the high places of our country. And that's one of the reasons why when we were praying through this name and trying to land on some words, and we had a sense that the word kingdom kept coming up uh, from you guys and from the team, and, uh, and then we looked at the, the name Airdrie, and we did a study on that and found out there's a twin city called Airdrie in Scotland, and the word Airdrie, are you ready for it? It means the high places of the king, the king's heights, the king's domain, the king's dominion. So... We just went, I think that's expressing our vision, that this is a king's city. This is where his realm is going to manifest in power in supernatural ways. You and I are called to bring light in this city. And I just say to myself, it's time to raise our expectations, right? It's time to see us the way God sees us. It's time for us to, to open up our hearts to the possibility of being radically used by God in a renewal movement that is ready to erupt across our country. Wow. You say, can that really happen? Absolutely. And I would also say this, if not here, where? If not us, who? If not now, when? When I read my Bible, it tells me that God is always ready to visit people, always ready for his kingdom to advance and for great renewal to happen, we're saying yes to that. We're expecting God to do something that will make the history books in this region. Amen? Amen. Hey, how many of you have flashlights at home? You got flashlights? Of course, right? Who doesn't? I just want to make the analogy here that when it comes to letting your light shine, that we've got a choice here. We can be like those refrigerator, top shelf flashlights that have weak batteries, right? You know the kind that when you need them, when the power goes out, they don't help you at all? You know what I'm talking about, right? You could, you could be a, a light bearer like that where you switch it on and not much comes out. Kind of embarrassing. 
Or you could be like one of those flashlights that I see on one of those info commercials. I've watched it 10 times, and I haven't bought it yet, but I think I might. It's that military flashlight. It's that metal one, you know what I mean? And it's got like uh, LED, which stands for something really awesome, and luminums, and they drop it from airplanes and it still works, and they put it in boiling water and it works, and they put it in ice and they chop it and it still works, and they drive trucks over it, it still works, and then it shines so brightly. It's like you can light up a whole backyard or you can go water skiing late at night with them. You should try it. I want to be like that flashlight. I want all my aluminums doing their job. I want to be LED. Well, I'm getting in trouble here. Move on. Hey, have you ever been at a concert when they ask you to light up your phone? That's a joke. Yeah, like, you know, and you wave that phone. What, what do you notice about that when 20,000 cell phones are all lit up? We're brighter together than we are alone, right? So we got to be together so that the light gets, you know, emanating in a certain way, and then we take it wherever it needs to go. All right, as kingdom people, secondly, we're also called to a brighter testimony. In other words, you get to actually have a say in how much light comes through you. And if you want to have a brighter testimony, you're going to have to do some soul work along the way so that nothing hinders it. So Jesus uses this metaphor of a lamp and a lampstand. He says, you know what? You got a lamp in your house, and back then they would have these clay-based sort of lamps, uh, a hole in one end, you put oil in, the other end, there's a hole there, you put a wick in, usually sort of flax or wool or something like that, and you pour the oil in, you light the wick, and the lamp burns. But you don't put the lamp on a shelf, and you don't put it under a basket, you put it on its lampstand. It's a little piece of furniture that you would put in the middle of your house, and then when you do that, in your one-bedroom, single-room pad, then light goes to everywhere in the house. It reminds me of an apartment I had a long time ago. It's kind of a one-light place. The idea is that you are to be positioned, that God wants you in the middle where the most need is, so that the most light possible can flow through your life for the sake of others. It's like God is ready to plunk you down in a place where where he is going to use you in a strategic way. And by the way, oil is necessary. How many of you know that oil is another thing in the Bible that's really important? It's a metaphor for the Holy Spirit, right? Oil represents the Holy Spirit. And didn't Jesus give a parable about that? About some bridesmaids that were at a wedding, and they're staying up late, they didn't have enough oil in their lamps, some went out to get oil, the door was shut, they didn't get back in time, the other ones had oil, they went into the feast, Right? And the message is, make sure you got oil in your lamp. Because you're going to need to burn. You're going to need to burn for a long, long time. So don't run out of oil. Which means in this moment here, make sure you are continuously being filled with the Holy Spirit. Some of you were baptized in the Holy Spirit a long time ago. Might have been three years ago or or three decades ago, but there's an ongoing work of the Spirit in which the oil of the Spirit is to penetrate us again and again and again and anoint us. And I just want to encourage you to believe that God has an anointing for you today. At the end of our time here, in just a few moments, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray to receive a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Listen to these words from Isaiah chapter 60. 
Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. Beautiful words. Did you notice the posture there from those prophetic words from Isaiah? Did you notice the order? Arise, shine. First arise, and then you can shine. And when we're talking about that word arise, you know, it shows up in the Bible at different situations and different times, and it's often a call to a new beginning, like stand up, um, rise up. This moment is in front of you. It's a, it's a demarcation thing. It's a, it's a time to go forward. Arise. Sometimes the word arise shows up in moments when people need healing from a sickness. It's like in Acts 3 when Peter and John went to the temple. They see that man there who is crippled. He asks for some money, and Peter says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And the guy arises, and he walks. Arise and shine. Your light has come, and the glory of the Lord, the kabod, the density of God's presence has come upon you. That's why we can shine. So how does this happen, you might think? How do, I, uh, how do I step into this so that I can have a brighter testimony? It happens when we're in deep intimacy with the Spirit of the living God, when we are surrendered before Him and allowing Him to fill our lives in new, consistent ways. Again and again and again. Check out these words, 2 Corinthians 3. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's saying to us that there's this moment of transformation that happens in our lives when we are beholding the glory of the Lord. That glory comes upon us, and we're changed And I would say this makes our light shine really brightly when we've had an encounter with God's presence. And so by faith, we must behold the right things, right? We've got to see what we're supposed to see. We can get distracted and look at all the things that are happening in this world and miss what God is doing. God is pouring out his presence in special places. This city is one of them. And light always imparts. Light always brings inspiration. Hey, I, uh, I did a little digging into an old song that used to be um, taught to kids in what was called Sunday school a long time ago. Anybody heard, remember that phrase, Sunday school? We say kids men now, kids ministries. So back in the old days in Sunday school, uh, a song from the 1920s by Harry Dixon Lowe's went like this. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine I'm going to let it shine. I'm going to let it shine, shine, shine. Something like that, right? This little light of mine. Okay, so I dug into the theology behind it. Here's what I've noticed. In one of the first things after that, that refrain, it says this, don't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. 
Don't let Satan snuff out your light. Don't let him do it. That's good theology. It's demonology, which they taught to kids back then. I go, wow, they're pretty brave people, previous generations. Still applicable, still needs to be done, right? Kids need to know that Satan will try to snuff out your light. You don't need to let him do that. And how about this one? Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. It's speaking about the second coming or the perusia as it's known in the, in the pure theological sense, the appearing of Jesus. That's awesome. How about hide it under a bushel? No, that's like, duh. It's like putting it under a laundry basket. You wouldn't do that. That just doesn't even make the theological grid. And then there's this one. Let it shine over the whole wide world. Is it not saying in that song that there is something to throw our lives in called a mission to every person everywhere all the time? I'm going to let it shine. And let me just remind you of something. You don't have a little light. It's not this little light of mine. It's this big, bright light of mine. We're talking about the brightness of the presence of God who lives in you. His Spirit has set up a home in you if you're a follower of Jesus. And that light is ready to be displayed. The Bible talks about a thick darkness, a gross darkness that envelops people. It's the darkness of our own doing. And it leads to a separation from God. And, and it's like people are on this treadmill heading towards a black, dark eternity of existence apart from God. It's hell. No one needs to go there. God wants all people to come into his light and to be rescued. And you might say, well, how does that happen? How do, if I'm one of those people who's not yet in the light, how do I step into the light? Well, Jesus told us this in John 8, verse 12. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You just got to follow him. You got to choose him. You got to receive him into your life as your king and Lord and savior and believe in him that he's the one who Gave his life for you, that, that he, he shed his blood on the cross so that you could have your darkness removed from your life and you could be brought into the kingdom of his light. You can be set free from darkness and be completely transformed today. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to do that, to pray. It's time to shine. So Kingdom City, we're called to a stronger faith and a brighter testimony. And one more thing, we're called to a bolder love, a bolder love. And I'm going to ask you this question, who's the light of the world? We would right away probably say Jesus is, right? He said that I am the light of the world, and that's true. He's the light of the world. But does it end there? Listen to what he says in John chapter 9. He said this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day, the night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Where is Jesus right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, right? In his bodily form. He's at the right hand of heaven with his Father. Jesus ascended out of this world and, and is sitting there in glory and power. Yes, he's also in our hearts and lives through his Holy Spirit. But when it comes to the light of the world, this is what he says. Back to Matthew chapter 5. He says, you are the light of the world. I, in other words, I want you to let this land upon you. I, I, I've, I've sent you now to be the light of the world. And yes, he's still the light of the world. 
He's the light within us. But our role now is to do what he did. It's to be following in his footsteps. The, the pathway that he started that we know about in the scriptures, we're to continue that on because he said, you guys, you are the light of the world. We're his light bearers. And God has profiled his church in the heavenly realms, boasting of his glory and uh, the powers of darkness notice the church in the heavenly realms. But I want to say this to you. The powers of darkness must notice the church on the ground. They got to notice the church right here, wherever we live. We're the children of light, not the children of darkness. And the darker it is out there, the more the light is needed. And so Kingdom City, I'm saying this to you on our inaugural day. I'm saying this to all of us. We've got to shine more brightly. Everywhere we go, we've got to carry well the presence of God. We've got to proclaim the good news to every single person who needs to hear it. There are people trapped in hopelessness and despair everywhere we turn. What does that mean for us when we walk into our favorite coffee shop? What does that mean to us when we, when we go to work, when we pull into our neighborhood in our driveways? What does that mean to us as we go to university or college or high school? It means we're light. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. In other words, they're going to come to you and go, why, why do you live like that? And you can give testimony right there. It's because of Jesus. It's because of his incredible love for you that you're doing these things. This is a time for us to shine. And God is getting us ready for a great adventure in the years ahead. I'm going to invite our, our friends on the worship team to come on up here. God is already using us here in this church, many of our people on ministry teams, praying for people so that they can be set free from darkness. It is happening every week. And I think, you know, if we could hear it, we'd hear chains falling off to the ground, going clink. Every week there are people here in this church who are letting go of things, and God is setting them free from the grip of darkness every single week. It's amazing. And he's bringing people into the light of his presence. And there is healing available for people. There really is. Jesus came here into this world and bore our burdens, bore our sorrows, and also bore our sicknesses and diseases so that we could be healed through him. And his light touches our lives and brings about that wonderful work of grace. So arise and shine. Your light has come. You are the light of the world. We are that city set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. It's time for us to shine. Well, I'm just going to take a moment here and lead us in a prayer, a prayer minute for people to respond to. And I know that we've got lots of uh, people here who have maybe already prayed some prayers in their life. Maybe they've already given their life to Christ. But there's probably some of you that are here today, you haven't done that yet. You want to step into the light. So I just want you to search your heart for a moment and ask yourself, if not now, then when? If not this moment, will I, will I ever get to this place again where I can say yes to God's grace? And if you're ready to receive Jesus, you need him in your life, you know you're lost, I want you to pray with me right now. Pray these words to him. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. 
I believe you came into this world to bring the light of heaven. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Your blood was shed for them. I turn from them. I repent of them. I ask you to forgive me and restore me to God. I yield my heart and my life to you right now. I trust in you. Do a new thing in me, God. I'm following you. I put my life in your hands. Friends, just we're just praying here right now. Let's just stay praying. Those of you who are already believers, keep praying. Pray for people who are making this decision, already made this decision. And I want to ask you, if you did pray with me, and really meant it. Would you put up your hand just so I can see? Yep. Anyone else? Just go ahead and mark this moment. Jesus is speaking to you. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for reaching into me. Mark this moment. Lord, I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for new beginnings. For those who have prayed and asked you to do this new work in, in their lives, God, I pray that you would seal them right now by your Holy Spirit. Bring your light upon them. Show them, Lord, your love, your hope, and your strength. Bless them, Lord, we pray. You might be here and you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying to yourself, you know, my light's been flickering a little bit. My batteries feel a little weak. I just want to invite you to ask God to do a fresh work in your life. To say, Lord Jesus, would you restore me in the power of your presence? Would you restore me to vibrancy? Would you get me back, Lord, where I need to be right now? Lord, I thank you that you're doing that. You're so good. You'll always receive us when we turn to you. Your sons and daughters, you love so much. I pray you bless those, Lord, who responded. I pray that you would touch them in deep ways. So I just want you to think of one more way to respond today, and it's this. If you're here this morning, and you're walking in light, but you want to be even more brighter. And you want a fresh filling and anointing of the Spirit. I want you to ask for it right now. Just say, Lord Jesus, in the power of your name, I'm inviting the Holy Spirit to anoint me. To anoint me. Say, Lord, anoint me now. <laughs> Give me greater vision, greater boldness. Give me a heart of compassion that I've never had before. I receive your anointing, the fresh anointing of your spirit right now. And I call that happening, Lord Jesus, in your name. Friend, if you just prayed with me those last couple of prayers, or the first one, would you stand? Just stand where you are. Pray to receive him. You prayed for things to be restored in your life or you're asking for a new anointing. You've asked for it. Lord, I pray that you would 
mark all these people with your wonderful presence. Bless them. Pour your grace upon them. Let this be, Lord, a defining moment in their lives. That they receive from you that encouragement, that affirmation that they are the light of the world. Let's all stand together. Let's all stand. Lord, I pray that every soul who's part of Kingdom City today and those that couldn't even make it here, I pray for a fresh outpouring of your goodness, your love, your power, your spirit's touch on us. We are open to this, Lord. We are ready. We want your kingdom to advance here in this city. We love our city. And we pray, Jesus, that you would be lifted up like never before, right here in and through our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, stay standing for a moment. we got one last thing to do. It's something we do regularly around here. It's called a declaration. And on this awesome day, we're going to live into our new name. We're going to say, Lord, it's, it's happening. It's already begun. So I want you to notice the words on the screen. I'm asking you to say them by faith with me. And when you get to that last phrase, give it all you can. All right? Words are there. Let's say it out loud together. God, you have faithfully guided our church to this moment. We honor our roots and those who sacrificed to bring us where we are today. You have answered our prayers and revealed this name for us. And so today, in the name of Jesus our Lord, we embrace our destiny in your kingdom. Do great and mighty things through our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit right here and right now that we might be a light to those in darkness a people and a place of healing hope and salvation we expect you to do great and awesome things in our city region and world for the honor glory and sake of jesus christ and the advance of his great kingdom we declare we are kingdom city amen Give God praise. Give a shout to the Lord. Yeah.